When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to the South End Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter, and this week I'm joined by Jason, and Timmy's going to return us, and we have a new face. Eric Mulher joins us. Eric, how are you doing this week? Uh, I'm well. I'm I'm honored to uh, be on here talking some ball with some superb young men. Where are you hailing from, Eric? I live in the southeast corner of Georgia. Nice. Well, um, what college football team have you followed, or have you followed several teams? I've followed several. I'm kind of uh, different from most people. I haven't had like that lifelong team like, you know, you and Jason. I grew up in South Dakota in the 80s. So the the two biggest schools in South Dakota were both Division Two, and nothing was on TV back then. So I just had a number of teams I, I followed and enjoyed watching. And then being in the Navy kind of bounced around and I was sort of followed the local teams close to where I was. More of the same now. I, you know, I watch football in general. I pay a little more attention to you know, maybe Georgia, Florida, Florida State, um, just because those are closer. Sounds good. So you got plenty of football to look at now. Lots. Jason, how you doing, man? What's up, man? I'm good. I'm super excited to be here, honestly. I'm pumped up, man. That last episode was fun, and I think this one's going to be even better. At least you're excited. That's good. Well, last time you said I wasn't excited, and you know I kind of wasn't, but it turned out good. But hopefully this one turns out just as good. Timmy, second appearance. How are you? Yeah, man, I'm real good. Uh, I just hope y'all bought your uh, fire extinguishers for these hot takes we're about to drop on you. And uh, <laughs> just want to get it out there on the street. First and foremost, there's a lot of you know stuff floating out there on the Twitter sphere about us. I've seen blowing us up, you know, thousands of comments and tweets and stuff like that about, you know, Eric being on here auditioning to replace Jason after his Minnesota pick. You know, your rumors are true. Let's go. You're on the clock. Uh, that's all right. That's okay. I am not concerned. I, I think Fleck will come through for me. You know, you want to crush my Minnesota tech. That's all right. I, I am not concerned, even remotely, even though they played one of the best teams in the country week one. And Well, that's good. Cause, anyway, cause I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay it out there for you right off the bat here and put your money where your mouth is here and see if you're willing to accept the terms of this bet on that Minnesota pick you had last week. You ready for it? Bring it. All right, man. If they get the over like you called then you set the terms for me but if they go under you're gonna have to come on here and you're gonna have to sing old rocky top to all the thousands of fans out here and then you're gonna have to post a picture on our twitter page of you and the tennessee volunteers jersey how about that damn oh that's a tough one all i gotta do is win eight games god those are some high stakes though mm. but there's no way for me to make that even i can't crush you like that you don't hate it you don't hate a team as much as i do ah I'd beg to I'd beg to differ. No, well, okay, who do you hate as much as I hate Tennessee? I'd like to hear it. Well, you know good and well that I'm a Virginia Tech fan through and through, so anything involving UVA will get my fucking blood boiling. Yeah, but nobody cares about Virginia. Of course, nobody cares about Tennessee either. So true, true. We're gonna put this to bed. It's a it's a bet. It's a deal. I just sealed it, approved it, and we're gonna see what happens. All right. I'm sold. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, this week we're done talking about the Big Ten. We're going to move on to the Big 12. Was that a question? Well, <laughs> you know, the Big 12, it's, it's about to be the, like the tiny two with this first bit of breaking news. We have, obviously, we talked about it a little bit off speculation on the last episode, but Oklahoma and Texas have officially signed a joint letter to request entry into the SEC after the 2024 season. 
Uh, reason being, if they were to leave now, they would leave over $100 million in TV revenue on the table. And it'd be kind of foolish to walk away from that. Jason, what were your initial thoughts when you saw how rapidly this developed? I mean, it's, this came on strong, fast, and with a fury. And to me, the really surprising part about this is that they were able to work these back channels months and months ago, and not a single word was spoken of it. In today's society, having no leaks about something this big, that's, that's impressive, man. It, it is staggering to me that no leaks were you know, put out there. The funny part of it is that Texas A&M didn't know about it. Obviously, they're super butthurt about it, and they should be, frankly. But the fact that it happened so rapidly doesn't really surprise me. Everybody wants to be a part of the SEC if they feel they can be competitive in it. Maybe some that don't feel they can be competitive in it, but I'm honestly excited about it. I mean, I think now it's out there, Oklahoma and Texas, they took the step, they took the fall, whatever you want to call it. You know, there's going to be a ton of realignment and a ton of movement. Everybody's going to try to start poaching the rest of the teams. I think it's going to be really exciting to sort of watch how all this plays out. Yeah. First thoughts when when I saw this happening, you know, also reading reports that Alabama's quarterback, Bryce Young, is, according to Nick Saban, is close to a million dollars in endorsement deals. Just everything is changing so fast in the college football scene. And I'm not sure I like where it's going because it seems like it's just going to go to the championship's going to go to the highest bidder who has the most money. That's where the best athletes are going to go. I mean, kid coming out of high school, 17, 18 years old, walking into potential million dollar endorsement deals. Eric, what do you think about this? I mean, everything like the the move, the money. Well, I think you're right about the the money part. My caveat to that would be how is that all that much different from now? I mean, if, if you're a, say, a top 10 recruit in the country, you're probably down to three schools already anyways. You know, the, the NIL, I, I will say there is a little more, uh, there's a lot more money out than I initially guessed when I was giving Jason a hard time uh, after your guys' first show. But I think most of this stuff really only affects probably 10% of players. I mean, you know, you're the, you're the outside linebacker for Utah State. No one gives a shit. Yeah, for sure. Last thing, Timmy, I want to get your take on this. Do you think that having two more powerhouse schools joining the SEC, let's say we drop two SEC teams and they keep it at, you know, whatever, however many schools, let's say they, you have a SEC filled with like powerhouse teams. Do you think it hinders the SEC to some degree with only having four teams in the playoff to actually making the playoffs? I mean, if you have everybody playing everybody, it's going to be a gauntlet schedule every year. You could run the risk of fighting your way out of the playoff. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that, you know, with all of this seismic change coming into college football that, you know, college football as we know it is going to be changed forever here very shortly. And I think the conversation about, you know, 14 playoffs, they've already, you know, began talking about expanding to 12. And I think that this is going to kick off the, uh, the discussions and debates about, what the college football landscape looks like going forward after this goes down. And quite honestly, I wouldn't be surprised somewhere in the future to see conferences completely eliminated and you end up with some type of 32-team powerhouse NFL-type schedule broken out in divisions. They all play each other every year. And, you know, you take the best, you know, 10, 12 teams out of that group and that's who's in the playoffs. And I think that's where we're headed ultimately at the end of the day, you know, years and years down the road, quite honestly. Yeah. It would be great for the fans of the game because you'd have way more competitive matchups and I would look forward to that. You know, every now and then you have a weekend full of snoozer games. Nobody really plays anybody and it's kind of like, man, you don't have nothing to look forward to, but you would always have a few games to look forward to. That's for sure. Get rid of all those uh, week two FBS, FCS dream oh, matchups. Yeah, God, those it, can't go away soon. Get enough. them out. <laughs> get them out. Yeah, they're just, we kind of covered this before. It's just, it's a waste. I mean, it's it's a waste. It really is. I don't want to, I don't even know what, what else to say about that one. Jason, you want to add anything before we move on? Yeah, you, you've all made good points. I mean, I'm not sure that it's going to turn into an NFL, a mini NFL overnight, but. I agree with Tim that it is sort of heading that direction where it's going to be more just based on your record, whether or not you get into the playoffs. I don't think there's any chance they leave it at four. They've already talked about expanding it. And with the conferences expanding, you have to expand the playoff. And you even made that point too, Hunter. There's no way 
they can keep it like it is if they're going to do this. So I think it's, like I say, I'm just really excited to see how it all sort of develops and how fast. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there'll be another update a week from now whenever we record again, but we'll pay attention to it and we'll let you guys know what's going on as soon as we know it. This time, we're going to go into the Big 12, like we mentioned before. Each of the uh, co-hosts on the show today have a set of teams that we're going to talk about. And uh, Timmy, you're on the hot seat first, bud. Oklahoma. Vegas has them at 11 wins. You going to go over or under? This is an easy one for me, man. I'm taking the over. I got them going... 12-0, 12-0, and 0, undefeated in the regular season. Um, with a caveat, um, I got him losing Big 12 championship game to Iowa State, yeah. and then turmoil ensues afterwards. But as far as the over-under predictions go, I'm, I'm over at 12 here. Their offense is just ridiculous. You know, they averaged like 500 yards a game and 43 points last year. And they got eight kids on offense, eight kids on defense coming back. So there's no reason to believe that it's not going to be more of the same. And talking about their offense, their defense is no slouch either, man. They were one of the best teams in the Big 12 taking the ball away last year. They were really stout against the run. They led the Big 12 in sacks. And, you know, like I said, with eight of those kids coming back, there's no reason to think that's going to be any different. Spencer Rattler, obviously, is, is going to be key for them. You know, he's a preseason odds-on favorite for the Heisman. So, you know, it's going to revolve around him because if he gets hurt, they don't have a lot of depth behind him, and that could that could be lights out for them if something happens to him. But if everything goes as planned, I, I got him going undefeated, man. Bold prediction. First pick. Uh, Jason, I know you have something to say. <laughs> well... I don't like agreeing with Tim, but I do. I, I, I would give them one loss if they were playing Iowa State on the road, but it's at home. They rarely lose at Norman, and I just I think they do go to I, I don't agree with Tim that they lose to Iowa State at all. I think they're too good for anybody in their conference. I, th- I say they go 13-0 and and cruise to the playoffs, so not much to talk about there. They're loaded at practically every position. They got the Heisman favorite at QB. They have the best offensive line probably in the nation. I just don't really see too many weaknesses with them. So I, I've got them going undefeated, cruising 13-0 and 0 to the playoff. Eric? Well, first off, I would push 11 because I, th- I think they're an 11-1 team. Um, you get Iowa State's going to be very good. And then they get the, the Red River game and the Bedlam game. Both of those are kind of you know alley fights where you can throw out record and ranking to a certain extent. Yep. If I, you know, gun to my head and I had to choose over or under 11.0, I'm actually going to go against those. I, I think it's more likely that they would lose two games and then run the table. Woo, son! <laughs> they should be 5-0 and going into the Texas game. The one thing I think that works against them is their last two games are against Iowa State and then at Oklahoma State for the Bedlam game. So yep. finishing the season with those two is, you know, and winning them back-to-back is... You know, I, and to be clear, I don't think either is likely. I think they go 11 and one, but if I had to pick over or under that, I would go under just because I think it's more likely that they lose two than run the table. Yeah, I would agree. I think they're going to drop a game, uh, whether it be to any one of the teams that you guys have all mentioned. I'm not going to spend any more time on it because, well, that's really the only three teams that they play is Texas, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State. So other than that, I mean, the, the schedule is very favorable, and I'm sure that's going to be the case for a lot of your top Big 12 teams. Can we all agree that Spencer Rattler, you know, looks like a Sam's Club version of Pat Mahomes? Am I wrong? <laughs> we agree. We definitely agree. <laughs> Sam's Club. I'm not going to say you're wrong. I'm just not going to say it out loud. <laughs> I'm not sure he's gonna. I'm not sure he's gonna play like a Sam's Club version of Mahomes, but he definitely looks like one. That dude is. I mean, he's ugly. I'm just going to say it. I don't care who hears it. He's ugly. Well, he is, but I mean, he he can also he can also make his plane and hotel reservations for New York on Heisman weekend, like right now. True, <laughs> true. Yes, you know that's also true. When when is the last time a, an Oklahoma quarterback under Lincoln Riley didn't go to New York for the Heisman ceremony? It's mm. a good question, actually. I don't. Know. I mean, and and the guy is talented. I mean, he can ball. I mean, he is a good good quarterback, yeah. and he's in a system that really fits everything he does well. So I, I would expect him. You know, if I had to bet on a guy, he's a yeah, but how good is he really, though? I mean, because Lincoln Very, Riley, well, okay, he sticks he sticks people in there every year, and they just seem to ball. Is it because he's getting fantastic recruits, or is it a system thing? And there, no one in the Big Twelve plays any defense. Well, okay, so point by point, um, 
Yes, he is. I mean, he was the number one quarterback coming out of high school. He was the number one recruit. Part of it is the system, I think. He schemes guys open, and as long as your quarterback can can make good decisions and accurate throws, he'll do well. But I mean, I think this guy's a step above that. He's very good. Yeah. Okay. Well, regardless if he's the Dr. Thunder of, of the Dr. Pepper, some people prefer <laughs> Dr. Thunder over Dr. Pepper. I'm just saying. <laughs> So it's a good soda, man. It's a very good soda. I, I like Dr. Thunder. It's been a while <laughs> since I've had it, but you know, if I had the choice, I might select a Dr. Thunder over a Dr. Pepper. I'm just saying. Well, it's a little cheaper. You know, it is cheaper. Something tells me Spencer Rattler isn't going to be cheaper. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> no. Che- cheaper than Pat Mahomes. I think everyone's cheaper than Pat Mahomes. That's true. Yes, that is a fact. Very true. You guys had a lot to say about Iowa State. Timmy, they're next. Um, Iowa State, Vegas has them at nine and a half. Me personally, I think they're going to go over, but what do you think? I'm in agreement with you, man. I'm uh, I'm big on, on Iowa State this year, man. Uh, I'm definitely taking the over here. I got them at 10. Like I said, I got them losing in the regular season to Oklahoma, but I got them getting through to the Big 12 championship game and uh, getting vengeance. And uh, like I said, chaos will ensue afterwards. You know, mm. Matt Campbell's building a monster out there, man. It's damn near impossible to find a hole in their roster, in my opinion. You know, they got 19 kids coming back, and they got two Heisman-level players on offense and Brock Purdy and Brees Hall. Brees Paul is just a freak, man. You know, he was the runner-up for the Doak Walker Award last year to Najee Harris, and he led the nation in 100-yard rushing games with nine, and he was averaging 146 yards from scrimmage. You know, that ain't nothing to scoff at. Um, so their offense is going to be a nightmare to deal with. But on the defensive end of the ball, you know, they break from the norm in the Big 12. Everybody says Big 12 doesn't play defense. Well, you know, they do. Um, you know, they only gave up 16 second-half points combined in their final five games last year, which is pretty damn good in my opinion. And they've got one of the best linebackers in the country, Mike Rose back there, that's going to lead that defense. You know, he led the Big 12 in total tackles for losses, and he's just a freak back there. So I got him going 10-2 and two and beating out Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game. Yeah, I mean, Brees Hall is probably the favorite for the Doak Walker Award. He's going to tear it up. And like I said, the schedule is favorable for most of these Big 12 teams. Jason, what do you think about Timmy's pick? I'll say this, you know, on paper, they should go over. But I'm going to try to play devil's advocate a little bit here to Timmy's. He's building a monster pick. I mean, since 2017, he's eight and five, eight and five, seven and six, nine and three. So um, do I think he's just going to show up this year and all of a sudden win 10 or 11 games? It's kind of questionable. They play so many road games this year at Oklahoma, at Texas Tech, at West Virginia, at Kansas State, at Baylor. I don't know that they're all of the sudden so much better than all the rest of those teams that I'm just going to give them 10 wins. So if I was going to bet on it, I would probably take the under against what most people would bet because I just, I would rather play it safe and say, yeah, if you win nine games again, or sorry, if you win 10 games this year, then I'm a believer. But until I see it, I would bet the under if I was going to bet it. Well, I mean, they won nine games last year and went blow for blow with Oklahoma in the championship game last year. I just see him taking a step they forward. Also lost to Lu- they also lost to Louisiana last year. Hey, man, we're not going to talk about that. Well, <laughs> that one was a fluke, man. But, you know, they are returning 11 on offense, 9 on defense. So, they're, they're reloading, essentially, here. And the one thing I will say about, you know, them relative to Oklahoma is Oklahoma's got 51 ranked uh, strength of schedule, while Iowa State is set at 29. So, like Jason said, a lot of road games. Uh, Eric, you have anything you want to add before we move on? Uh, nine and a half is, is an, maybe the easiest decision I made in the Big 12, taking the over on these guys. They are, uh, they're talented. They're very deep. They're very experienced. The schedule sets up well for them. Uh, you know, they don't have back-to-back tough games. You know, they're returning the the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, 10 guys who are all conference, you know, three-year starting quarterback, the nation's leading rusher. They got seven linemen on the up, up, up front on offense that they're not afraid to start. They got guys who can play multiple positions. So, you know, one injury isn't going to wreck them. They got a rotational guy who got, you know, 30, 35 snaps a game. 10 and a half sacks. So he'll probably play in more full-time uh, Will McDonald. Their three leading tacklers are back, all linebackers. They got a safety. There's a three-time all-Big 12 first team. The only weak spot I see is that 
they're maybe looking for a second wider uh second wide out to step up and help out Xavier Hutchinson. He took up about fi- almost 50% of their targets last year, which I think most coaches that's that's not a number you want any one guy getting. They probably looking to uh, spread it around a little more. They got a couple of guys who are uh, are going to have a chance to to be that kind of that that Robin to his Batman. Um I you know, I I look at these guys just like Oklahoma, and I see an 11 win team. What are the names of those linemen, Jason? The names of those linemen? Hey, man, listen. I don't know the names of every <laughs> lineman on every fucking team, okay? Cut me a break. Just because I knew the Remington favorite doesn't mean I'm a you know, offensive line Nazi, okay? Come on, man. It's Colin Newell, Derek Schweiger, Trevor Downing, Jake Rimsburg, and Sean Foster. Come on. Don't you know that? Everybody knows that. Yeah. Easy, bro. Easy. God. Get on your game. Get woke, dude. Uh, Come on. And I know I did not just read that off a piece of paper. I just well knew. in the future I'm going to be asking you questions about offensive line. Well, it's a good thing I edit these podcasts. <laughs> 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 we'll we'll move on. We we spent more more time than we needed to on Iowa State, but the last team I want to talk to Timmy about and get his take on is Oklahoma State, uh, another team that uh, to me they overachieved last year at eight and three. Mike Gundy, seventeenth year. You know, they got gutted on offense. They're only bringing back five people, eight on defense. Vegas has Oklahoma State at seven and a half wins. I'm not sure that that's high enough. I think they'll go over just based on just the Big 12 is, in my opinion, trash aside from the top three teams. Um, What do you think, Timmy? Yeah, you hit the nail right on the head, man. Seven and a half wins. I'm taking the over, but very reluctantly here. Um, I'm not very high on them this year. Um, the over at eight wins is mainly based on their schedule, not their talent. Um, like I said, I'm not very high on them this year. Um, they do have 17 kids coming back, eight on offense, nine on defense, but they did lose some key players from last year. You know, they lost Chubba Hubbard and they lost three big time receivers and Dylan Wallace, Dylan Stoner and Landon Wolf. But, you know, that offense was not spectacular last year. It's going to be... It's not what you're used to seeing from my Yeah, opinion. it's it's going to be an entirely new cast of skill players, which, you know, adds a bunch of question marks to that. But on the flip side of that, that could be a good thing for them because last year they were pretty horrid on offense. You know, 5.6 yards per play. That's, that's unheard of in the Big 12. I mean, yeah. that's ridiculous. But Big 12 is not known for defense. No. You know, Spencer Sanders is a bright spot back there at QB. You know, he's he's a baller, man. He's just got to cut down a little bit on the interceptions and, and he'll be fine. But like I said, at the end of the day, reluctantly, I'm taking him at eight wins over seven and a half here. Jason, tell him where he's wrong. Uh, I'm Yeah, he's wrong. I'm going to disagree. They got brutal road games this year. Too many of them. Uh, seven and a half. I think they go seven and five at best. Um. They're, you know, bringing back five starters from a terrible offense, in my opinion, not a good thing. I mean, road, road games at Boise State, that's not a gimme. Playing on the blue turf, never easy. Road game at Texas, road game at Iowa State, at West Virginia, I don't see it. And then Oklahoma, who, you know, is probably going to blow them out in the last game of the year. I think seven and five at best, I'm not a... I can't stand Mike Gundy. His mullet is awful, which I think he might have cut it off. So, but um, you know, they they were terrible on offense last year, like Tim said. Yeah, they had a close game with Texas last year. I think it went to overtime. I'm just not buying it. I don't I'm I don't think Gundy gets it done. I don't think he gets to eight wins, not with that schedule. Hmm. Eric, you wanna add? I reluctantly took the over on them just because of their defense. They had the best third down defense or among the best third down defense in the country. Uh, They were top 10 in the country in tackles for loss and sacks um, on a rate basis, right? So percentage of opposing teams plays. They have between their returning starters on defense, they're over 200 career starts. They're like 212 or something crazy. Um, and a lot of their problems last year, uh, particularly on offense, were due to injury. They lost both starting guards and their quarterback in the first half of the opener last year. Both the linemen broke a leg. You know, they started 11 different guys on the offensive line last season, right? So at some point, they're running a third stringer out there. Well, you know, n- no disrespect to the kid, but the guy's a third stringer for a reason. He's not ready to play. So that just cr- 
crushed them on offense. And I think it led to um, a lot of the inconsistency we saw with Spencer Sanders, who you know had some bright spots and I think is a talented guy. They got just demolished up front and that really hurt him. They are going to have to overcome inexperience at the receiver position. They lost 73, 73% of their receiving yardage production from last season. Ordinarily for a college team, that's kind of a death blow, um, replacing that much at once. I think because of their defense, I think they can get to A wins, but that's I mean, to me, that's their ceiling. Yeah, man, you kind of just sold me on that. That was that was very nicely done. Eric coming in with the facts. I'm a facts guy. He hadn't sold me. I'll tell you that flat out. I'm tired of hearing about how good Spencer Sanders is. He sucks. We suck. Oh, my. I watched him play. He's not good. Well, it depends on which game you watched, because I think I watched half of one Oklahoma State game last year, um, just because I'm, I'm not all that interested in Oklahoma State. But um just looking through his game logs, right? Reading up on these guys, he's all over the place. I'm trying to figure out, you know, how, you know, I pulled up a couple of their games and even just within the game, he's on a, you know, series to series basis. He is inconsistent. He'll make three great throws and then miss a guy in the flat by eight yards. It's, it's kind of mind boggling. But again, having no pass protection didn't do him any favors. I mean, they were, they were 81st in the country in tackles for loss allowed. I mean, they were just, it was just brutal on the offensive line. And I think you work out a lot of those kinks with him just, you know, with maturity and having another year in the system. I mean, I mean, he threw for like 2,000 yards last year and 62% completion percentage. That ain't nothing to scoff at, man. He definitely doesn't suck. Yeah, he, he's not terrible. I just question whether he's good enough to, you know, carry carry more than his share of the load. I mean, he's like he's like any other quarterback. He, he you know, he can't throw from his back. Right. I ain't buying it. They suck. We suck. <laughs> Anybody got at freezing cold takes on the line here? Write that one down. Oh, I got them, and I got a, I got a, one of those mullet hats that those people wear to those games to emulate. I'll get you one that you can wear after you know they go under. Hey, for the record, I never said Mike Gundy was not a huge tool bag. All right. If Oklahoma <laughs> State win eight games, Jason has to wear a mullet in that picture you talked about, Timmy. That's my stipulation. Well, you know, Gundy does answer the old age old question of what if Dabo Swinney was conceived in the back of an El Camino after a Leonard Skinner concert? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. That yeah, good that's stuff. that's a question I've always asked myself. That's funny. Eric, you're up next, man. We're gonna go into I'm gonna give you three teams. The first one I'm gonna bring up is one we talked about at the top of the show, but Texas, Steve Sarkeesian. He's entering his first year there. Went seven and three last year, returning eight on offense, seven on defense. The schedule, it looks pretty tough. They have the 11th ranked schedule in the nation as far as strength of schedule goes. Where do you have Texas? Because Vegas has them at seven and a half. To me, I think everybody's on crack if they think Texas is going to not win eight games. Well, um, color me crackhead then i oh. i went back and forth my notes look like this under scratched out over scratched out and finally i settled on under i got him at seven i'm going to give him five conference wins i think they beat arkansas and rice handily and so for me taking over under on this really depends on do you think they'll beat louisiana in the opener and i eventually leaned uh far enough towards no i don't i think there's enough questions surrounding them as far as you know new coach new system right can he run the same offense he ran at alabama without alabama players i don't know i don't know who the quarterback's gonna be yeah so that's the thing with texas well with steve sarkeesian in particular i mean i remember watching him when he was you know at alabama but i remember watching him when he was at the university of washington and he's a great offensive minded coach when he's not under the influence he is and, and, and the fact that it's Steve Sarkeesian, for me, alleviates some of the new coach question, but their defense is, you know, they're bringing back one linebacker who's got any sort of significant game experience. So in secondary, they, they've got guys coming back, some experience there. Yeah. You know, experience doesn't necessarily mean good. They were they were not That's true. great defensively last year. They gave up 29 a game. So I, it was tough for me because, you know, they were seven and three last year. They were a handful of plays away from running the table. Yeah. Right, they, all three of their losses were one score. Like their their biggest loss of the year in terms of point differential was eight points to Oklahoma, but that was a four overtime game. You know, they obviously had their chances to win that. They were in it. For me, too many question marks, and I couldn't talk myself into that eighth win. Jason, where are you at on Texas? I'm kind of with Eric as far as my notes. I went back and forth on it for a while. I do think they go over. I think they win eight. Um, Sark being, you know, Bijan Robinson is their best offensive weapon. 
I mean, the guy, he, you know, for Big 12 players, I mean, I know offense is king of the Big 12, but I mean, that guy, he could star for some SEC teams. I mean, he's really good. So Sark really knows how to use running backs really well. I think that guy will touch the ball if he stays healthy, maybe 300 times this year. I think they go over just based on the fact that I think some of these other teams in the Big 12 just aren't very good. Like West Virginia and Baylor. I mean, yeah, those are road games, but I expect Texas to win both of those games. Kansas State at home. Kansas is an automatic win. The games that question that I question, Oklahoma, which you can throw out records and talent. At TCU, that's a tough game. At Arkansas, they should win. So I, I do think they make the over. I'm not going to give them nine or ten wins, but I do think they get to eight just based on Sark being able to use running backs really well. And, I mean, they were plus nine in turnover margin last year on defense. So bringing back seven starters from an opportunistic defense, I think they make the over. Timmy. Yeah, man. Jason, you, like, copied my notes on Bijan, like, word for word, dude. <laughs> that, that kid's special, man. He uh, he only carried the ball 86 times last year as a freshman, but he was averaging 8.2 yards per carry, man. That's fucking ridiculous. Dude's a monster. Yeah, he was, he was the number one running back recruit in the country when he committed to Texas. But like you said, with, with Sark and his experience at Alabama with running backs, like he's going to ride that kid and he's going to get some totes this year and we'll see what he's all about. You know, I'm, I'm taking the over here at eight wins kind of reluctantly again. Like, you know, you and Eric both went back and forth. I did too. There's a lot of 50-50 games on their schedule and – their ceiling could be 10 wins, but their floor could be six and six. So I split them down the middle and I'll give them eight. Hmm. I'm just going to give it. I gave them the over because of the Sark factor. The guy's an offensive guru. And I mean, you look at their games last year, games against like TCU and Iowa State. I mean, and even the Oklahoma game. I mean, they dropped 45 on Oklahoma last year. Most of the time that should win you a game. Not in the Big 12. Yeah, not in the Big 12 because they don't play defense. But like I say, plus nine in turnover margin and bringing back seven starters. I kind of like what Sark's got to work with. I think they're kind of a sleeper, you know, because everybody expects them just to have some first-year jitters, you know, new system, that kind of stuff. But he's got talent down there to work with. So like Eric said, if they can find a QB, that's what it's all about for me. If they can find a decent quarterback, can get the ball to Robinson and some of their other playmakers. I think, you know, like Hunter said, there there's a ton of games that are 50-50. And Texas, they've got more talent than the rest of those teams based on recruiting. So I gave them the over. Jason with his Bama homer hat on over there talking about Sark. Of course. You expect any less? To put a pin in that, I couldn't stand Sarkeesian when he was the offensive coordinator for Atlanta. And I was not a fan of him coming to Bama, but he proved me wrong. So, you know, now I'm a buyer. Jason, you mentioned TCU. We're going to move on to them next. Gary Patterson, 21st year as the head coach, returning 10 on offense, 8 on defense, reloading the squad. 6-4 and four last year. TCU, I'm not crazy about them. Number 33 strength of schedule. Vegas has TCU at 7.5 as well, amongst the rest of the Big 12 teams, it seems like. But I don't think they hit seven and five. I mean, yeah, they brought back a lot of players, but it's like you said, you can you can bring back experienced players. Doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be good. What do you think, Eric? Yeah, the same thing as Texas. I I just I couldn't find an eighth win in there. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take the under and say seven and five. I am curious to see what their quarterback does this year. He they didn't have a 2020 spring. No one had a spring practice, obviously. But then he he missed fall camp, right? He missed August. He had a heart procedure and he wasn't medically cleared to play until the regular season had started. But I think he's a talented guy. He's a strong runner. Uh, he threw for 1,700 yards and 10 touchdowns last year, but he ran for 650 and another 10. Um, so he can make things happen. They're decent up front on the offensive line. They got uh, they got four guys coming back and they pulled a transfer from Memphis who looks like he's probably going to play left tackle. Maybe a first or second round pick coming up and I cannot for the life of me remember his name but they're going to be okay up front they don't they don't have the go-to receiver that I see I, they have a handful of guys who can play sometimes that works sometimes it doesn't but I don't they don't have that guy that he's going to be looking for on third and eight yeah the guy that's going to bail you out 
Yeah. Now they do have two pretty talented running backs. The the Evans kid is really good. Um, both of these guys, him and uh, Kendra Miller, they were kind of part-timers last year, but they both averaged over seven yards a carry last season. Uh, Zach Evans, I don't know how much of you guys follow high school recruiting, but he was the number one running back in the country two years ago coming out of high school. And there, you know it was a little dramatic as far as his, his recruiting process. He at one point signed a letter of intent to Georgia and mm. he had some issues with his high school team and the coaching staff and disciplinary stuff. Um, Kirby eventually said, you know, thanks, but no thanks. They released him from that and he ended up at TCU. I was tempted to take the over just because they're scheduled. They don't have any tough back-to-back games like a lot of these teams. The, the defense has too many question marks. Gary Patterson usually figures out defense, but they were not very good on defense last year. You know, Gary Patterson usually, like I said, he usually figures out defense. I just don't know if he can do it in 12 games. Yeah, that's what he has to go up against. One thing is for sure, Max Duggan might have seven to 10 total touchdowns against Duquesne High School in week one. And what do you think about that hot take? Hey, it's Duquesne. Whatever. <laughs> Obviously, I've never heard of them. You know, everybody's high on them, thinking they're being slept on. They're just a middle-of-the-road team that's going to have a middle-of-the-road record for me. I got them under at seven wins. Their schedule is absolutely brutal. They're going to Oklahoma, to Iowa State, to West Virginia, to Oklahoma State. And their bye week is real early in the schedule, and they play nine straight Big 12 football games. I I just don't see them surviving that at all. Yeah. Well, we're going to move on to West Virginia now. Uh, West Virginia, to me, it's another middle-of-the-road team, although Vegas has them at six and a half wins. You know, they brought back nine on offense, eight on defense. Neil Brown, his third year as the head coach, they went six and four last year. Strength of schedule, number 43. I mean, the schedule looks favorable, but I mean, West Virginia is average at best for the Big 12. What do you think about America? I got them under. Um, you know, they're six and four last year. Two of those six wins were against teams with winning records. So they kind of, you know, beat up on some schmucks a little bit, but I'm going to take the under on six and a half. They have a little non, tougher non-conference schedule than most of these teams. They got Maryland, Long Island, they should win, but then they turn around, they get Virginia Tech. Um, those are their first three games. They were pretty good defensively last year. They don't have a lot of guys coming back from that defense. They have one one starter coming back on the line. They have one linebacker coming back um, and he's moving from outside to inside. So he's effectively a new guy as well. In the secondary, they have a couple of sixth year safeties who are decent. They're not world beaters, but secondary, they'll be okay. But their front seven, um, too many question marks for me. And, you know, offensively, I just don't know that they can keep up with some of these teams. They, they, they drop too many passes and they don't move the ball down the field. They don't, 63% of their pass attempts last year were, were targets short of the sticks. So their quarterback who, who does take care of the football, right? He threw four picks last year and 374 attempts. But because of whether it's him checking down or, or how they're calling plays, I mean, he's he's under seven yards in attempt. Yeah, they're trash. We suck. I, I, I was about to <laughs> step in and just say, well, all be be that as it may, he may take care of the football, but these guys, they suck. I mean, when's the last time you flipped on the TV and you were thrumming through the channels on a Saturday and you were like, oh, West Virginia's on. Let's check this game out. Out of here. Literally never. <laughs> never. I had to do research just to find out literally a name of any of their players i mean they like they are i didn't even waste my fucking time they they're just completely irrelevant i i mean i would have said one word about them under move on <laughs> well that's 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 funny you mentioned that jason because that's what we're going to do now we're going to go through the rest of the bottom of the barrel in my opinion big 12 teams we're going to do a little rapid fire here jason Texas Tech, four and a half wins over or under. Ugh. I'd be shocked if they win four. Um, I'm going under. There's really nothing to talk about. You know, um, Matt Wells in his third year, he's four and eight, four and six. I don't think it gets any better this year. Minus nine in turnover margin last year. Their schedule is absolutely brutal at Texas, at Oklahoma. No chance they get to five wins, in my opinion. So I take the under. We don't know who's going to even, you know, they they expect an Oregon transfer to play quarterback. Yeah, they they're they're another team. They don't know who's going to play quarterback. I don't think they got they got the transfer from Oregon who was up and down for them last year. Well, unless it's Dennis fucking Dixon, who gives a shit? Any team in the Big Twelve that averages two hundred and sixty seven yards a game on offense is not going to win very many games. What about Kansas State? Vegas has them at five and a half. I don't know where I put them. I mean, Kansas State. 
you know, Chris Kleiman, he's in his third year. I, I'm not sold on that guy, but then again, I mean, it's Kansas State. They've kind of drifted from the uh, from the days of when they were actually relevant, but I think they went five games max. What do you think, Jason? Yeah, you're in the armpit of the Big 12 right now. They pulled the old, we're going to hire the entire North Dakota State coaching staff and hope they can bring that same kind of success, and it hasn't went their way four and six last year. They, they got 16 starters back, and they've got to clean some things up. You know, Skylar Thompson, I think he's a bit like he's he's got a chance to make it to the NFL, maybe as a backup. So he's not terrible. They were minus three in turnovers last year. They got to clean that up. But ultimately, I went under and gave them five and seven. But looking at their schedule, I could see them getting to six wins. It just climbing. He's got to show he's got to show me something this year. Are you taking shrooms in this equation here to get them to six wins? Are you out of your fucking mind? I wouldn't say out of my mind, but, uh, you know, look at, okay, Stanford, that's a loss. Southern Illinois, Nevada wins. Texas Tech, probably a win. They suck. Kansas, win. Baylor, possible win. So they could push six wins. I'm not going to just sit here and tell you they're a god-awful team that has no chance to be bowl eligible. But if I was going to bet on it, I'm taking the under. Well, I want to move on because... I'm having a hard time staying engaged talking about Kansas State. Um, Another one that I'll probably have a hard time with is uh, Baylor, who Vegas has at five and a half. In my opinion, I think looking at the schedule and what they're bringing back, um, seven offense, 10 defense they brought back. uh, Number 15, strength of schedule. Went two and seven last year. I think they're lucky if they win three games. What do you think? I agree. They suck. And they're going to beat Texas Southern. And yes. Yeah. How many how many defensive starters did you say? 10. 10. So they're bringing they're bringing 10 guys back from a defense that gave up 29 a game. How many of those guys do they want back? None of them. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Timmy's right on point. The answer is none. They they're abysmal. I couldn't find a I couldn't find a fourth win for them. Yeah, I got nothing. No chance they win five and a half. I mean, it's kind of the same thing we've seen in some of the other conferences where they've got these lower teams winning five or six games, and I'm going, where? Where are they going to win? I don't see it. At TCU? No, that's a fucking loss. I mean, it just it makes no sense. I mean, some of these teams have to go three and nine, two and ten, because the other ones are going to win more. I, I, Baylor, I got nothing for him. Dave Aranda in his second year, I mean, yeah, he's got a tough job coming in at Baylor, first year, no spring, COVID, all that crap. So, yeah. Maybe they surprise this year, but yep. I think it's a rough year for them. I, I think, you know, Dave Aranda going there from LSU after they won the national title, I, I he was great at LSU, very good at what he did, but he had the talent he needed to to run his system. I just don't think he has it at Baylor. Hate to see him struggling because he helped bring us a national title in, in Baton Rouge, but man, I just don't see it. The, every, all the odds are against him, but we'll see. Wish him well, but... I think five and a half wins is is crazy high for me with this team. But we're talking about the bottom of the barrel, Kansas. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Wait, you mean they play football? I thought they only play basketball. Not well. I thought I read somewhere they moved down to Quad A High School. (laughs) They didn't want to play him. (laughs) They were denied entry, actually. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. They were better off without him, but Vegas has them at one and a half. Uh, I'm gonna just I'm gonna just say it, Jason. You can you can counter me, but I don't think they win a game this year. Well, the only game they've got a chance to win, in my opinion, is the first game against South Dakota, and that's not a gimme. It's not a gimme. It's not North Dakota State, it, but it, it's it not is. a gimme. It's a it's a gimme. Well, yeah, there you go. Eric's from South. He's from yeah. North no, Dakota I mean, South, State, South Dakota is a. They were. I don't remember if they were one and three or one and four. But I mean, they were they were a sub five hundred FCS team last year. If yeah, so uh, they win that. Truthfully, they get the one if, win. Yeah, if Kansas can't win that game, that there's zero point in playing the rest of their schedule. They get South Dakota and Duke, and maybe no chance they win two games. Maybe those two. I'm not betting on Kansas. They are terrible. Can we just talk about how brutal a one and a half game line is from Vegas? God, it's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. If you're a player for that team, what are you thinking when you see that? I- I'm just contemplating my life choices at that point. I mean, surely there's more money if you just risked it and, and bet zero wins, right? That's what I'm saying. I think the action would be a little bit more interesting if they just set the line at zero. You know, the, the difference between South Dakota and 
and Kansas is South Dakota is a sub 500 team. Kansas is a zero team going 0 and 9 <laughs> last year. So I don't know. I'm not sold. Yeah. If the line was zero, I would still take the under. I'm with Eric. Yeah. It's, I'd put money on that. Oh, I'll be honest. I, I spent no time looking at Kansas. Who is their coach now? Lance Leopold. He's from, came over from Buffalo. Okay. So this is his first year. So the prestigious program of Buffalo, by the way. Well, Buffalo was, they were like seven and one last year. They were, they were a decent, uh, what are they in the Mac? Buffalo did well last year, but I just, can you guys think of a less attractive head coaching job in college football than Kansas? Hmm. Yes. What, what's less attractive than going 0 and 12? Coaching somewhere in the Dakotas. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. There's just nothing there. You look at Mount Rushmore and, okay, what else? Well, I mean, in terms of Power 5 conference teams, I, I can't imagine there's a worse job out there. I, just, I think there's a, if I'm an a up-and-coming coach who's looking for a, a head coaching position, I think there's a lot of group of a lot of group of five schools I'm looking at before I'm considering Kansas. Yeah, well, whatever whatever conference tries to pick apart the Big Twelve after the, all this realignment takes place, they're not picking out Kansas for their football team. No. So no. I mean, if the Mad Hatter couldn't get it done in Kansas, oh, don't don't even go there, man. The Mad Hatter. Uh, I'm gonna tell you right now, as an experience, damn it, I'm gonna enjoy that one. As much as I hate to admit it. Gotta love Lester. Uh, Gotta love him, but... That guy is such a huge tool. All right. Well, that about wraps up the Big 12 show. Any Anything you want to add? We kind of talked about the, the future of the SEC. I guess one thing we can touch on is the future of the Big 12 with all the realignment going on. Quick discussion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> like we said, it might be the Big 2, and it'll be a small 2. But, you know, we saw rumors and, and things like the the Pac-12, you know, reaching out to other teams. Jason, where do you think some of these other teams could end up or do they try to bring in other teams into the Big 12 to hold it together? That's the question I was going to bring to you guys. I had a really interesting conversation with someone today about that fact. And say you're a middle of the road SEC team or a lower tier one like Arkansas is a good example. If you see Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12, do you consider leaving the SEC or the ACC, if that's where you are, to go to the Big 12 to be more competitive, say? Because if you're Arkansas, you're not going to ever challenge for the SEC championship. I mean, you got Oklahoma and Texas now, top of A&M, Alabama, all those. They're not, they're not a factor. So do they go somewhere like the Big 12 to become more of a factor? I don't see it. I think if the Southeastern Conference you know, extends an offer, you take it, you don't leave that. Well, for the purposes of your hypothetical, am I the school president or am I the head football coach? Because those might be two different answers. Well, absolutely. I think, you know, it's going to amount to where is the most money. Right. And that is exactly where they're at. Yeah. So can a conference kick out a school? I don't suppose they, I don't know that they can kick them out. They probably could if they had cause, but I'm just talking about from a hypothetical standpoint. Right, but I mean, sucking's of, not cause, right? It's <laughs> for some people. Should, should be. Well, I mean, in terms of a conference, I mean, yeah, I could argue it should be, but I don't, I don't think it is. I don't think the SEC is going to tell them, hey, you're just not good enough at football. Uh, go find somewhere else to play. It's like take Missouri. Missouri is a good example. If Missouri said, we're going to go to the Big 12, they would instantly be. Probably the odds on favorite to win the Big 12 if they went there, if Texas and Oklahoma aren't there. So, you know, outside of Iowa State. And so do you go and try to get an easier path to the playoff that way? Because, I mean, if they're going to take 12 teams in, if you win the Big 12, you'll be in regardless. I thought that was an interesting question because it's all about making the playoff and you want an easier path to get into the playoff. Oklahoma and Texas, they recruit well enough to do that, even in the SEC. But teams like Missouri, Arkansas, they don't have a, a shot to get to the playoff, but they could if they went to a different conference. Yeah, but that's thinking about it from like the team perspective and putting a different spin on it. If you're the Big 12, you know, and you're trying to recover from losing, you know, two of the biggest college football programs in, in college football from your conference, you know, what is bringing in, you know, like I read somewhere that they're 
contemplating and speculating that maybe Houston, Cincinnati, the BYUs of the world could get invited. Like UCF. Yeah, like at the end of the day, that does not equal out to Texas and Oklahoma, and it doesn't even make you a better conference. So I don't know why they would entertain that. Um, I think at the end of the day, they're just going to go away, and it's going to be a, a total free-for-all. The couches are going to be burning all over the country for teams flying everywhere. Well, that's yeah. why they would entertain it, because if they don't, they're going to die. They're going to be out of a job. I think they get jobs elsewhere in those other conferences now. Well, yeah, if, if I'm the Big 12 commissioner, I, I forget the guy's name, but he, you know, he should probably dust off the resume, because I don't know that he's going to have a conference <laughs> to be in charge of in two years. <laughs> Most likely. you know, I th- it's, a complete, it, it's a complete and utter tire fire. You know, they're going to be like the possum on the side of the road, but the American Pac-12, that you know, they're all just going to be vultures just picking away at the carcass of the Big 12. Yeah. You know, they're, they're done. I think, I, I think it's just, it's not any more complicated than that. I think they're, they're just going to wither away. The last thing I want to, I want to say about this though, is, you know, Jason and Timmy back in our bitching days, I mean, listeners, if you're still, still with us at this point, we appreciate you, but I want to use an analogy here. Even if you're the bottom of the barrel in the SEC. You know, Jason, you mentioned teams leaving the SEC to go be more competitive. Even if I'm Arkansas, Ole Miss, you know, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, because they suck. LSU. Fuck you. So <laughs> let's just say, hypothetically, we are those those bottom of the barrel teams and, and we're wanting to go out one night and the beers are free at X bar, whereas you have to pay for these beers and you're going to have to suffer through looking at unfavorable scenery at this other place which one are you going to stick to we're going to mcslews you know that yeah we're going to go where the (laughs) beers are at man we want the free beer and all these teams sucking in the sec are making money off of the talent of the other teams just because they're on tv in the sec so there's no way they leave willingly in my opinion what do you think about that jason i agree 100 percent um that was the argument i made that regardless of how competitive you are you don't leave a conference like that, even if it's going to mean you have a better shot to make the playoffs. I just don't see it. Those schools, they don't, they don't care about, you know, making the playoffs and stuff like that. They just don't. I mean, it's like Eric touched on earlier. They care about money. I mean, TV money. Well, here's, here's the thing with that, though, is like, let's say you're Kentucky and you bail the SEC, right? You give up that cash cow to go to the Big 12 so you can be competitive and potentially make the playoff. You get in the playoffs, what's going to happen? You're going to get steamrolled by an SEC team, and you're just back in the same boat that you were in before. Ain't nothing going to happen. It's going to be the same, same That's ball the game. Exact same arg- yeah, that is the exact argument I made. I was like, yeah, great. So you make the playoffs to get humiliated. I don't see how that's much better. All right. Well, we've had enough of that. Next week, we're coming back with the ACC. We're going to go into Clemson and everyone above or below Clemson. Jason, where can they find us on the social media space? Best way to hit us up is on Twitter at South End Zone Pod. There's a link in our bio to an email, um, but that's the best way. We try to be pretty interactive. And um, yeah. Thanks for tuning in this week. And we'll be back next week, like we said, with ACC. We'll catch you then. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Hey.